American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now it's time to talk about drone warriors. Drones have become the centerpiece of the American War on Terror. The drone program is run by the CIA and the military and surrounded by secrecy. But we think American drones have been used to carry out airstrikes in at least eight different countries and have killed perhaps 10,000 people, including perhaps 1,000 civilians in Pakistan, Afghanistan, Yemen, and Somalia. AL Press has been reporting on the drone war and the people who fight it. He wrote about it for the New York Times Magazine. He also writes for The New Yorker, The New York Review of Books, and The Nation, and he's a fellow at The Nation Institute. He's the author of two books, including Beautiful Souls. It's about how to understand individual acts of courage and conscience in dangerous circumstances. AL Press, welcome to the program. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. Well, your focus has been on the drone warriors, the people who sit at computer screens whose clicks send fire and fury to other people who are supposed to be the terrorists who are our enemies. We're told that drones have turned warfare into a bloodless exercise for Americans so that we can kill our enemies without sending our own men and women onto the battlefield. Drone warfare is described as something like a video game, except that the drone warriors really kill real people, of course, without any danger to themselves, and that makes drone warfare win-win, we are told. You have a different focus, the drone warriors themselves. Recently, you wrote about one named Christopher Aaron, Tell us about him. How did he get into this? What's the work like? Sure. Um, my article focuses on the psychic and moral implications for people in the drone program who are doing this work, doing this form of warfare. But part of what the article covers and goes into is that the, the very uncertainty of who is being killed and, and the, um, the fact that lives are being taken uh, that this is leaving a a, uh, a residue, an emotional residue, a moral residue, and it's having an impact on the people in the drone program. Uh, and and of course, that program, as you said, is is very hidden. It's very uh, swathed in secrecy, and so we we don't often hear directly from the people in the program. Uh, I happen to profile and, and write about Chris Aaron, who was in the drone program pretty much at the beginning, uh, kind of got involved through an intelligence agency and, and joined a task force on drones. Um, and he entered the program 
very idealistic, um, very much, um, and he, he was quite conservative at the time, um, very much believing that 9-11 was the uh, defining challenge for his generation. His grandfather had served in Europe during World War II. He really emulated his grandfather, and Chris went into the program um, with that kind of mindset that he was going to help America defeat al-Qaeda. Both his beliefs about the war on terror and his experience in the drone program um, changed profoundly. And um, by the end of his uh, time in service, he actually had to, he was on the verge of taking a job with a uh, private contractor uh, that was involved in the drone program. And he sort of had a breakdown. He had a physical breakdown um, first. And then after the physical breakdown, he started experiencing nightmares in which he was seeing violence unfold and um, a real kind of long period of darkness and depression that took him years to get through. And that is, I think, very related to the questions he started asking about who uh, were the victims of the drone program and and what was the point of it and and what um, did he accomplish, actually. And would you say that Chris Aaron had PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder? That's a really good question because PTSD within the military uh, is generally associated with exposure to what are called life threat events. So if you think of Iraq and Afghanistan, it's, you know, the soldier in the battalion that hits a bump on the road and it's an IED and it it explodes and and the soldier is injured or sees a um, pack by the enemy that causes fear. And that fear later resurfaces and kind of reliving that terrifying event. Drone operators, drone analysts don't go through that. They are away from the battlefield. They don't uh, experience these life threat events. So why the high rates of burnout and stress and distress? What is behind that? And in the piece, I talk about a different term that has gained currency since, uh, really since the invasion of Iraq in particular, Uh, and that term is moral injury. And moral injury is a term, it was first used by Jonathan Shea, uh, a psychiatrist and the author of the book Achilles in Vietnam, and he talked about the moral dimensions of combat trauma in that book and argued that, um, that many Vietnam veterans uh, felt and experienced a betrayal of what's right. That's the language he used, um, and that this caused a moral injury. And and this is really the key distinction. One of the key distinctions between moral injury and PTSD is what is the what are the emotions that go with it. With PTSD, there there is fear, there is anger. With uh, moral injury, there is guilt and shame, uh, kind of feelings of of self condemnation and lack of self-worth. And moral injury is, in a way, uh, a term that has arisen to kind of bring back the moral questions that um, that I think we've suppressed as a society, that we don't really want to deal with. I think we're, we're much more comfortable as a society talking about uh, soldiers who were injured or wounded by acts the enemy committed while they were in combat, rather than by the things and I'm not, I would say the things they did, but really the things they did in our name. Christopher Aaron and, and other people in the drone program are engaging in a form of combat and killing, uh, in a form of, of warfare and killing uh, that society has chosen because we think it's costless 
to us. And um, it's not costless. Uh, it's certainly not costless to people living under drones. Um, and I think we, we know that from the reports of, of non-governmental organizations and human rights groups. Uh, it's not costless in terms of what is being done to the rule of law and the questions of uh, how countries carry out assassinations outside of declared combat zones. But it's also not costless to the people doing the fighting. Killing people on video screens is so much more distant and abstract than killing them in person, face-to-face, isn't it? That's what everybody thought when, when the drone program began. But what, what, what we're finding is that um, this is actually a not what's happening. The, that that um, There's an Air Force study I cite, for example, where three-fourths of the people surveyed who were involved in kill chain operations say they experienced negative disruptive emotions. A large number of those said those emotions were lasting and unresolved. Why is that disturbing if it's just on a screen? One factor in that is is simply the amount of exposure, the just day after day, shift after shift, you know, drone operators don't go into the combat zone for two months and then leave. Uh, this is their day job or sometimes their night job. Uh, and they're working it over and over again. So they're seeing, uh, as one, uh, operator, I, analyst I interviewed, uh, said, I'm seeing more, you're seeing more death than life, uh, just on a daily basis. You know, the, the other thing we're learning is that, um, the screens, in a sense, can create um, an intimacy because drone operators are seeing the people being surveyed and followed go about their daily lives. So they see them interact with family members. Uh, they see them interact with civilians. Uh, often the camera continues hovering after the strike. So you see survivors going uh, to the scene. And all of that creates uh much more of a disturbing effect than than what people had predicted beforehand. You attended a ceremony at the VA Medical Center in Philadelphia where a guy named Andy spoke before a small audience. Tell us about what happened there. Yeah, well, I was, you know, I was I went to that ceremony because um moral injury is implicitly it is as much about um kind of societal denial and disengagement as it is about what uh, what veterans have done. And so this ceremony um, is designed to bring civilians together with veterans to to talk about moral injury and to to in a sense um, reckon with the costs of war. And at this ceremony, uh, a number of veterans spoke and Andy had um, uh, came to the stage and talked about how um, he had served in Iraq and, and on a mission one night he called in an airstrike and he assumed that uh, that because gunfire had come from a window he assumed that that in that house uh, was the enemy um, and as he said at the ceremony what he saw instead uh, were the bodies of um, 36 civilians, 19 men and, and, and eight women and nine children. He described all of this in, in an incredibly um, moving uh, and, and heartbreaking speech. And 
Um, and after Andy spoke, um, he sort of went back to his chair, um, sobbing. Well, I was expecting at that point that, that the minister uh, overseeing the ceremony would say, uh, thank you very much, You're all, you can all go home now. And instead, he called members of the audience to the stage uh, to form a circle around Andy and the other veterans and to link arms. He sort of led the, the audience members in um, reciting a message, the gist of which was, we sent you to do this. We put you into this situation. Uh, where these atrocities, um, where these deaths could happen, and therefore we share responsibility uh, with you for this. And I think that that it was such a powerful thing to see because we have such a fake and I think in, grossly inadequate uh, way of of reckoning with the costs of war in the society, which is to to tell veterans, you know, thank you for your service, and and now go off to a VA. Uh, center and get your get the treatment you need and and please don't tell us anymore you know don't we, we really don't want to hear from them we don't want to hear about what they saw what they did um what we should think about having sent them to do and this ceremony was really designed to do the opposite to to, to inform society you're involved all of us are involved so that was the ceremony i witnessed um and uh it was really one of the more powerful scenes I've ever I've ever reported on. We share responsibility. AL Press wrote about the wounds of the drone warrior for the New York Times magazine. AL, thank you for your work and thanks for talking with us today. Thanks so much for having us on. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.